Talk Recorded live. Hello again, faithful Christians, and thank you for joining me for yet another look at one of Yahshua's parables. This time we're going to be taking a look at Yahshua's parable of the faithful servant. But before we actually get to that, let me point out that we have been tech experiencing technical difficulties with the TalkShoe Radio Network. And seemingly this has been a problem for many people who try to utilize their network at certain times of the day. And so as a result, there probably will not be too many people joining, albeit usually the ones that matter and the ones that really are seeking truth will listen to these messages within archive. But in looking at Yahshua's parable of the faithful servant, I want to point out that we should not be confused by Yahshua's very similar parable of the unforgiving servant. What we're dealing with this particular Wednesday evening is more so the topic of preparedness, or being prepared. And it is because of that, Yahshua's parable of the faithful servant appears in Matthew chapter 24, before the parable of the ten virgins, which we covered last Sunday, this weekend, where we looked at the ten virgins. So, in essence, what we looked at then, with the parable of the ten virgins, that appears in Matthew chapter 25, after this parable of the faithful servant, deals with the same exact topic, and that is preparedness. So in diving right into our study, because we have quite a bit to cover, including the Gospel of Thomas and his look at Yahshua's parable, we should begin in the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 12. And many of you are well familiar that I preached the entire Gospel of Luke in the year 2014. Over 80-some-odd parts dealing with Luke. And Luke has the distinction, unlike the other Gospels, of being the most complete of all four, meaning that many of the parables appear only within the Gospel of Luke. For example, the prodigal son and many others. But in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35, this is Yahshua's parable of the watching servants. He says, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that await for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Yahshua says in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. For verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth, and serve them. And if he shall, and if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now at first glance that parable may seem confusing, but if you've been staying with me in this series on the parables, you know Just like the rest of Scripture, precept must be upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Each parable will unlock the other. But notice, once again, the theme is preparedness, and more specifically, being a faithful servant. And this, of course, is very important. 
being a faithful servant. Why? Because it is Yahshua who tells those sheep, enter in, my faithful servant. But to those unruly goats on his left hand, he says, depart from me. Depart from me. And we're going to look at that time allowing. The concept of wailing and gnashing of teeth and what that truly means. Because Yahshua does address that in this parable of the faithful servant. That many theologians consider to be the parable of the doorkeeper. And so, understand, right here in Luke we already covered it partially. But Yahshua says to watch. Therefore I ask, are we watching, dear kinsfolk? Because if we were watching and spending our life as if our soul could be required of us at every moment, or any moment, then surely we will not be found in iniquity. Surely we will not be cast into outer darkness, or a furnace of fire, as Yahshua would say in other places. But here in Luke, let's really dissect this parable. We already covered it, did we not? He begins by saying, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. First and foremost, be a man, and we see this throughout the rest of Scripture, because you could turn to Job, chapter 38, verse 3, and we hear Yahweh God telling Job, gird up thy loins and be ye a man. Therefore, this terminology, gird up your loins, usually denotes manning up and rising to the responsibility. It also denotes a long journey according to Exodus, and we see from this parable that Yahshua, in this allegory, is on a long journey. But unlike the parable of the ten virgins, he is coming back from the marriage supper of the Lamb. What's this prove, dear kinsfolk? Should be very obvious. There is no such thing as rapture within the Scripture. This concept is not taught, and what we just covered right here in St. Luke chapter 12, verse 35, already this parable of the watching servants proves that Yeshua is returning from the wedding. Therefore, that latter marriage supper of the Lamb is before this event. But be that, that that's a study for another day. Yeshua says, let your loins be girded up, right? So turn with me, if you will, to First Peter. And we're going to read a statement very similar to this in chapter 1. In the first epistle, that is the general epistle of Peter the Apostle, we read in chapter 1, verse 13. Peter says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ at the revealing and or the revelation of Yahshua Messiah. And that is what this paraboles, or the parable, this allegory of the faithful servant pertains to, does it not? But notice, Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. One statement, therefore, we should man up and always gird up the loins of our mind. But what with, you may be asking, because Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind, but be sober. There is your key. Be sober-minded, always looking forward to and hastening the coming day of Yahshua. Peter is reiterating what Yahshua says in Luke, in his parable of the doorkeeper. 
Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you will see here momentarily when we turn to the other Gospels that Yahshua surely says that we must always not only watch, but run that race to the end. He says also, Peter, in his first epistle, chapter 1, verse 14, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. So please understand how that ties in here. And many of you about this time will be saying, well, what about the gospel armor? Indeed, that ties in here as well, because if we are to gird up our loins, we are to gird up our loins with what? Well, truth. So please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're really going to drive home what Yahshua is saying here with this statement, gird up. Because in context, when Yahweh finally answers Job out of the whirlwind, in chapter 38, he says, gird up your loins and be a man. Man up. Peter already says pretty much the same exact thing. But what does Paul say in his epistle to the Ephesians? Well, if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, Paul says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. He's setting the stage. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This isn't a mortal enemy. We fight in the spiritual realm, and Yahshua taught that. Thus, he says, first and foremost, in dealing with this topic of faithful servants, gird up your mind, gird up your loins. Verse 13, here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul continues, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Do you understand? Paul once again is saying, be a man. Man up and at least make a stand, because a majority of the world will not. Verse 14, he says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Interesting statement, is it not? Because Yahshua begins on that note. Truth is what we should gird our proverbial loins with. And again, never lose sight of the fact that girding up our loins denotes a journey. We should always be prepared for the return of Yahshua. But back in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we are to gird ourselves up with truth. That John seventeen seventeen says is the word of God. But not only that, so is our sword. Notice in this gospel panoply, this gospel armor, there is no back plate. I wonder why. Every other facet of armor is addressed except for a back plate. And the reason for that is because Christian soldiers simply do not retreat. And if we get backstabbed, that is our own fault. There is no provision in the gospel armor or the believer's armor that is transcribed here in Ephesians chapter 6 for a back plate. Therefore, Yahshua says, gird up first and foremost.
right? The parable of the watching servants. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Now, if you were with me at the beginning of this year, January, you'll know I preached on Yeshua's parable of the candle, where he says, I am the light of the world, and no man having a light will hide that light or put it under a bed in a closet, but rather they will let their light shine before men. So before we even really dissect Yeshua's parable of the watching servants, understand What he's saying is, gird yourself up with truth and let your truth shine before men, which is the word of God, and comes full circle back to Yahshua Messiah, who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But then he continues in verse 36, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Opposite of the parable of the ten virgins, where the ten foolish come much later and say, let us in. But the five wise virgins say, not so, you can't come in, because there's not enough room for you here. These are two different parables, and they tell two different stories. And even though there are two different parables that tell two different stories, the theme and the allegory is the same. Be prepared and always be watching for Yahshua's return. Why? Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. For verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. Did you catch it, dear kinsfolk? Yahshua will serve the saints, those that are watching. Now, of course, you will not hear this taught in Judeo-Christianity, but the reality of it is, is we are they who judge angels, correct, in judgment? So why does this seem foreign? That if we are a servant, first and foremost, that if we will do the will of God, more or less being a slave to his will, and if we are watching, as Yeshua said, when I return, will I find faith upon the earth? If we are watching in a faithful servant, which in short makes us just sheep, then Yahshua will come and sit them down to meet, and will come forth and serve them, who the faithful servants. So bear that in mind as we dissect Yahshua's parable here, because it'll make much more sense. Yahshua continues in verse 38, And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, Blessed are those servants. Why? Because they're faithful. But notice, it does not matter what time of day Yahshua comes. We should live as if he will come at any moment. And not only that, a valuable key is provided here. Because while Yahshua does come in and say no man knows the hour or the moment in which Yahshua returns, he does tell you it will be at a time when the world does not suspect He says, if he shall come in the second watch, or the third watch, and find them so. So what? Watching. Watching for Yahshua. Then blessed are those servants. Meaning that when Yahshua returns, this is what he wants to find. Faith upon the earth. Those that are always looking forward to and hastening the coming day of Yahshua. So. Let's look at another witness as to what Yahshua is preaching here in the very short parable, as it appears in Luke chapter 12. However, this time in the gospel according to the youthful Mark. 
and the 13th chapter. And we're going to find a second witness to Yahshua's teaching his sons and daughters, his bride by extension, to be prepared, to always be watching. Why is this important? Because we live in an era now where a majority of the world has fallen asleep. And while there is a mediocre form of awakening, and people are awakening to their identity, scriptural, uh, the Bible gives us the numbers. Many are called fewer chosen. Narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. Do you think that could have some correlation to those not being faithful servants, those not watching, and those falling off, not completing the race as they are instructed? Well, consider this statement in the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 13. However, this time, beginning in verse 32, Yahshua says, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Once again, notice Yeshua is saying, take heed, watch and pray. Be a watchman. This does not mean go out and attack men by name, but it does mean address their behaviors or their erroneous theology, if it is found contrary to the Word of God. That's what we should be doing right now and doing all we can to set aside the 99 and go after that which is lost. To prepare them. Take ye heed, Yeshua says, watch and pray. In the Greek, this word is a group neo. It means to be sleepless. In short, it means sleep when you're dead. Every bit of your life should be always watching for Yeshua to come, because if we do that, we will not make a majority of the mistakes we do. If Yeshua were looking over your shoulder, correct? So he says in verse 34, here in St. Mark chapter 13, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or even in the morning, lest he coming suddenly find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, very important because Peter would say, is this parable for us all or the entire world, just the disciples? This is for you all. And Yahshua is commanding right here, watch. One word, a commandment. Watch, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. Now naturally it would be Peter who fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, correct? And Yahshua would come along much later and say, could you not abide with me? The moral behind this is we should always be prepared. Always be watching, because right before this, Yahshua says in verse 30, Verily, verily, I say unto you that this genios, this generation, or this race, shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Did you hear what Yahshua said? If heaven and earth pass away, but the word of God abideth forever, then everything you do that is contrary to the establishment on God's king, of God's kingdom on earth is vanity. Just as wise King Solomon said, that's not to say there's not good in fixing up your home or working and making lots of money. But when that becomes your central focus, you lose sight of everything else because you are not watching. 
You don't know when the master will return. So it goes without saying that we must acknowledge Yahshua as a master first and foremost to even be watching. But Yahshua says, watch, right here in verse 37 of St. Mark chapter 13. That's a commandment. That means be sober-minded. Be Why? Well, we're going to look at that momentarily. But turn with me for another witness, if you will, to uh, the Gospel according to Matthew. And here in St. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 40, period, Yahshua says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken, the other left. Pay close attention, verse 42 in St. Matthew chapter 24. Watch, therefore. Again, watch, Yahshua says, a commandment. And not only does he say to watch, he tells you why, therefore. He says, watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. You don't know that hour. And Yahshua right here. In Mark, or in Matthew, is about to go in to his parable of the faithful servants. But first, he talks about one being taken, one being left behind. There is no rapture in Scripture except for the rapture of the wicked. The tares are taken and gathered first, are they not? They are burned. Where do you think it is? At what point in biblical history do you think Yahshua returns from the marriage supper of the Lamb to the saints and knocks on their door? and is allowed to enter in. It most assuredly is not when we are in spirit form. But Yahshua says, watch, therefore. Then in verse 43, know this, Yahshua says, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and he would have suffered his house to not be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think, not the Son of Man cometh. So once again, notice that while Yahshua does not say he comes at 1.34 on Monday, he does not tell you anything other than the fact that no man knows the hour, not even him, only God, who is spirit, he tells you he will come at a time when no man thinks he will. Therefore, be ye ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, that's the hour in which the Son of Man cometh. Then, here in St. Mark uh, 24, he begins his parable of the faithful servant. And notice the similarities to what we've already covered in Luke and in Mark. He says, beginning in verse 45, Who then is faithful and a wise servant? Stopping right there. That's his question. And we're dealing with the parable of the faithful servant. Two keys. We must be faithful, right, which is part of watching. If we are watching, then we will be faithful, and we will watch because we are faithful, because we know our master will return. Second point is servant. And as Joshua taught, you can be a slave to God or a slave to mammon, but either way, you will serve one. And my, how true this is, because we see on secular forums time and time again people saying that Christians are the ones who don't think for themselves. It's quite ironic, because the irony is, is the free thinker is the biggest slave of all because he's deluded himself into thinking his thoughts are his own. Make your thoughts the thoughts of Christ. But back here, notice Yahshua says, who then is a faithful and wise servant? That's a question, and Yahshua is about to answer it. 
If you want to be a faithful and a wise servant, then you will do exactly what Yahshua says here and be like this specific class. He says, Whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Very interesting word, is it not? Because faith would denote doing, just as James says. Faith would lead you to works. Faith without works is dead. Yahshua says, if I come back, blessed is he who is doing, doing all of what? Being faithful and a wise servant. And not only that, watching. But notice Yahshua doesn't say, hey, it's great that I come back and I find faith, per se, on the earth. What's great to Yahshua is at his return, we are doing, exercising. Very important because your Judeo-Christian churches are antinomian. They come in and say, well, works won't avail you much. Huh. Blessed is that servant. Whom? When Yahshua returns at his coming, shall find so doing. Yahshua says in verse 42, Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and, if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Pay close attention. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you do not watch, if you fall aside, if you become drunken on the whore of Babylon's wine of fornication, like the majority of the world, and notice that Yahshua will send you to a place where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, I'm going to break this down for you very specifically. Every time we see this terminology, gnashing of teeth, it is in regards to eternal torment. Four times it is in regards to the terminology, furnace of fire in the Gospels. Three times it is in reference to outer darkness. For example, Matthew chapter 8, they shall be cast into outer darkness. Matthew chapter 13, they shall be cast into a furnace of fire. And both of these classes have wailing and gnashing of teeth. What you need to understand about Yahshua's parable is this. It does not matter if you are a fellow servant. It does not matter if once upon a time you are a servant to Yahshua and once did watch. If you take your eyes off of the prize, if you begin to do wrong to your fellow servants, to eat and drink with the drunken, which is what a majority of the world is, drunken in their own political correct garbage, well, chances are pretty good your lot will be put right in there with the hypocrites. Notice, not the pagan, not the unbelievers, not the heathen, but just like those that say, Lord, Lord, and Yahshua says, depart from me, I never knew you. For example, Matthew chapter 13, verse 50, they shall be cast into a furnace of fire. Matthew chapter 22, verse 13, they shall be cast into outer darkness. Matthew 25, verse 30, outer darkness. But here, my friends, is the one I really want you to pay close attention to regarding to wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Because assuredly, there will be much argument and much debate into the reality of hell, whether it is eternal, whether it truly is a furnace of fire or outer darkness, which denotes no fire whatsoever. But here, in my opinion, is what you need to know, at least uh, pertaining to this, this concept of hell and gnashing of teeth. Turn with me, if you will, back to St. Luke, where we began. But in St. Luke chapter 13 this time, and in St. Luke chapter 13, this is where Yeshua, like usual, is dealing with the hypocritical Pharisees. Correct? This is a warning against mere profession from Yeshua. That is, those that are truly faithful and those who profess to be faithful. Because it's very easy to come in and say, you know what, I believe. That's great. That's a great act that you believe. Because the devils believe and tremble. That does not save them in judgment. Belief does not save you. Belief alone. So pay close attention to Yahshua and what he's saying here. His warning against mere profession. The uh, narrative begins in uh, verse 22, excuse me, of St. Luke chapter 13. And... He went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. This is Yahshua. Then said one unto them, Lord, are there few that be saved? That's the question. Are there few that be saved, or are there many that be saved? And this is what Yahshua said unto him. Verse 24, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Why? Verse 25. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer unto you and say, I know you not, nor whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not, whence ye are. Depart from me ye workers of iniquity. Pay close attention, verse 28, right here, this is hell. Then shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves are thrust out. That is the point. That is why there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, dear kinsfolk. And we could draw straws and argue over whether it's outer darkness or furnaces of fire. But both denote a place of eternal torment that you do not want to go. And so, whether it is fire, as it says twice here in Matthew, or outer darkness, as Joshua says three times here in Matthew, notice, this is what he tells the Pharisees. And those that say, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And Yahshua must respond by saying, I know you not. I don't know you. Imagine the irony. These are the unfaithful servants. The faithful servants are told, enter in, my sheep. But don't neglect and lose sight of the fact that the goats also profess to be servants. They said we did marvelous works, right? Yahshua says, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets, and the entire kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first, and they which are first 
shall be last. So why Yahshua says to watch, we are not to strive to be number one on God's green earth, are we? At least within the ways of the world. And in context, this is what it is. They say, Lord, Lord, hey, we drank with you. You taught in our streets. Yeshua said, I never knew you. Never knew you. Meaning that these unfaithful servants, in contrast to the faithful servants, were those just like the Pharisees who deluded themselves. And not only deluded themselves into believing they were some type of faithful, but remember, the Pharisees stood behind Moses' law. They sat in Moses' seat. They stood behind their pedigree. Therefore, Yahshua says, for you, your weeping, your wailing and gnashing of teeth will be when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. Not only them, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Amos, all the prophets. Not only all the prophets and the patriarchs, but the kingdom of God when you yourself are not going to enter in. Can you think of a greater hell than that? Could you think of a greater eternal torment than that? For example, the parable of Lazarus and Dives, where Lazarus is across the gulf, sees the kingdom, sees the patriarchs. Perhaps this is a study for another day. But understand this point. Hell is just like that. And if you do not watch, if you fall asleep like the Pharisees did, into drunkenness and revelry, Spiritually and physically, when Yahshua returns, if you are found in that particular state, and if you are engaging in those particular behaviors, Yahshua clearly says he will cast you out into what? A place that is reserved for the hypocrite. Right? Back in St. Matthew, chapter 24. And for those of you who are just now joining at about the halfway mark, uh, I did want to remind you that I will be appearing this weekend on an all-new Yahweh's Truth with Dr. James P. Wickstrom. I believe that will be number two for the month of March. And also, within the next upcoming week, I will be appearing on Eurofolk Radio with an old friend, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock. And we're going to be uh, discussing several things, but more specifically, this awakening that is happening. The parable of the faithful servant is this. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, for when his Lord cometh, he shall find so doing. Yahshua says, Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Partakers of that kingdom which, by the way, is exactly what Adam was created to be, a governor and a tiller. So if you have a gospel, according to St. Thomas, this is not canonized, but it's easily accessible on the World Wide Web, I'll invite you this evening to turn to the 103rd statement, because this will be your fourth witness in looking at Yahshua's parable of the faithful servant, or we could just say the parable of the doorkeeper. Do you want to keep the door? Do you want to keep the way for Yahshua? Then the only way to do that is watch and be familiar. And frankly, from experience, if you watch long enough, you'll be able to figure it all out, not even having to be a prophet. History repeats itself. White nationalism most, uh, nationalism most assuredly. 103. This is the 103rd statement in the Gospel according to Thomas. Jesus said, pay close attention, Blessed is one who knows where or when. Bandits are going to attack so that he can prepare and assemble his forces and arm himself before the bandits even 
enter. Do you see that Yahshua was not teaching for us to be the world's stepmat? But just like Yahshua saying, any man who does not uh, own a sword, sell all you have to get a sword, Yahshua teaches self-defense. And not only self-defense, but common sense, dear kinsfolk. Blessed. Do you want to truly be blessed? Well, blessed is one who knows where or when bandits are going to attack so he can prepare. That is the key of what we're covering here, preparedness. You cannot be prepared if you are not watching. So the two go hand in hand. If we know when bandits are going to attack, we'll prepare, we'll assemble our forces, and we'll arm ourselves before man even enters into our home, or our church, or our Christian body. Understand that this saying encourages preparation and planning, as Joshua taught. Now, many people fall asleep. Many people are in their 70s, and they don't even care about Yahshua because they don't believe he's going to return. And the more that happens, the more we know we are closer to that return, because that's what Paul taught. Every successive generation has been closer to the return of Yahshua than we were at the beginning. The beginning is the point and the linchpin from when we count. But the way of the secular man is to come in and say, you know what, well, They've been trying to predict the end of time and the return of Christ forever, as if it hasn't happened yet, means they're correct in their assumption. My point is, is a true fool will base his opinions on the mistakes of others. If they truly believe that those other men were in error trying to predict the return of Yahshua, then why would they turn around and use that to say Yahshua won't come? It's common sense, so be prepared and plan. And there's lots of violence and threat in the time that Yahshua taught this. So, understand that as well. Yahshua never taught us to lay down and to be fools and just to allow the entire world to come in. And while this statement here, Yahshua saying, Blessed are those that know when bandits are going to attack so he can prepare, may sound a little different than what Yahshua is saying here. It's the same exact allegory. It's exactly how Thomas reiterates what Yahshua said. And each one of these have little variations from Luke, Mark, Matthew, and Thomas. But again, the main theme is be prepared. And here, if you notice, after Yahshua says this in St. Matthew 24, when he makes this very brilliant statement in verse 51, which is the last verse of uh, St. Matthew chapter 24, he says, Yahshua shall cut him, the hypocrite, asunder, and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then, then, after this, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Very interesting, is it not, when you consider that Yahshua's parable of the faithful servant is Yahshua coming to them after the marriage supper of the Lamb, but yet is given before. So that's one variation. Thomas says a wise man, and not only that, one who's smart enough to prepare, won't allow bandits to come in. That's why we as ministries take measures for trolls. We expect them to come. We expect them to pop up, and we take measures when they show their hoary head. So to really drive home my point tonight, I want to establish a few points. Now, I'm going to do a little skipping here, but turn with me to Job, chapter 38, if you have your Bible. And I'm going to prove this point about girding up your loins and what it means. Remember that the very 
first 37 chapters of Job is Job's dealing with his friends, his wife, and many men who were unfaithful, who told Job to turn from God, that God was cursing them, therefore he should curse God, right? But notice here, in uh, verse 38, Yahshua, beginning right in verse 1, Yahweh, then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? That's his first question. Job, don't listen to your friends. Listen only to the word of God. Truth, right? Job had it. He hearkened unto them, but did not submit to their wishes. But he also knew that Yahweh God giveth, and Yahweh God will restore. So we could say that Job was a watchman, right? So he says, who is this to darken his counsel? Then verse 3, gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and thou answer me. Perhaps that is why Yahshua tells us to gird our loins up. Not only like we're going on a journey, but when Yahshua returns, if we are watchful, he's going to demand an answer of us. Right? Turn one page over, if you will, to Job chapter 40. Here you're going to see the same exact thing. Once again, when, Yash, when Yahweh answers Job out of the whirlwind, beginning in verse 6 of Job chapter 40, Then answered Yahweh unto Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? And continues on. And you know this account. Yahshua talks about the morning stars how they sang for joy, all the angels, etc. The point with this is that for us to gird our loins up means, first and foremost, be a man. That means put on the gospel armor, and if you pray for that gospel armor, it will be given you. That doesn't mean to make a vain repetition. That doesn't say, give me the breastplate of righteousness, over and over. But pray according to that model. The model is, take the sword of God, which is the word, that is your only defense down here in a world that says, what is truth? This world will never get truth until they have a yardstick and a standard of measure that they can call truth. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, the life. If we do not accept the word as truth, and I'm not saying King James here. I'm saying the manuscripts, the manuscripts which are unchangeable. Many people don't even understand that. Hebrew and Greek are fixed. They can't be changed. While man comes in and changes the Word of God, they're the ones doing it. <sighs> so understand that point. Now, another point I want to make, because time is getting away from me. Turn with me again to St. Matthew. But this time, St. Matthew chapter 13. St. Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to see a statement here. Yahshua says, in his parable of the tears and the wheat, and this is important, because we're dealing with the same exact thing, two classes, right? But yet one class being cast out into a place that is reserved for the hypocrite. Where do hypocrites end up? Well, here's part of the answer. Yahshua says in verse 39 here in St. Matthew ch chapter 13, in his explanation of the tares and the wheat, he says, The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire... So shall it be at the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and all things which do iniquity. 
and shall cast them into, pay close attention, a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. A furnace of fire. Now, he reiterates this in verse 50 in the same exact chapter. He says, beginning in verse 49, here in St. Matthew, so shall it be at the end of the world, or the end of this eon, the end of this age, right? Because we already covered, heaven and earth shall pass, but my word will not. So shall it be at the end of this world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from amongst the just, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So, while men will come in and tell you, hey, you know, Yahweh doesn't send people to eternal torment, really. How about this one in St. Matthew chapter 22, verse 13. Yahshua says, Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. There's your numbers once again. Many are called, few are chosen. We could say the majority are called, but few are truly chosen. Remember in the parable of the sheep, Yahshua says, My sheep hear my voice, right? Thus part of being cast out into a furnace of fire or outer darkness or in a position where we are able to behold Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the prophets in the kingdom, denotes that we are in plain view of the kingdom, yet not within it. Therefore, in summation, we could easily just say, the kingdom of hell is not being allowed within the kingdom. Consider this statement as well, in St. Matthew chapter 25, where we just were, but in verse 30, where he straightforwardly says, And then shall appear, and then, after all of this, Yeshua gives the signs of his tribulation. And he says many times the same exact thing, that you don't know the hour or the moment. But these are some clues. He says that those days the sun shall be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven. You think that could be the morning stars tying right back into the days of Noah? And the powers of heaven shall be shaken, pay close attention, verse 30, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes, those are Israelite tribes, you and I, all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with glory and great power. And he shall send his angels, and they with the great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds and one end of heaven to another. So the point is, is they gather who? Many are called, few are chosen. The elect make it in. Thus, here in, verse, in uh, chapter 25, we read in verse 13, Yeshua's statement. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Endure unto the end. Run that race. Remember here while we're looking at the faithful servant. Yeshua, God in flesh, went away for a journey, returned. And during that time, some of them began to fall asleep. Some of them turned back to drunkenness. We could just say they turned back to the way of the world. That, dear kinfolk, is not what Yahshua requires of us. If there are any questions, now would be the time to post them 
in the chat room. Uh, if you're able to, please make them bold because that makes them a lot easier for me to read. I don't mind answering questions. In fact, that's kind of our job as preachers to do. But uh, St. Matthew chapter 8, and this will be the last place I take you tonight in teaching on this reality of heaven before we go back to Thomas, 103rd statement, to conclude. But it is here in Matthew chapter 8 where he talks of this. He says, referencing his return, just like we're discussing in the parable of the doorkeeper. Joshua, when he heard it, he marveled, and he said unto them that followed him, those are his disciples, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. Faith, that's the topic. We're dealing with, this Wednesday evening, the parable of the faithful servant. Yeshua says, I have not found so great a faith, and not so in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Stopping right there. Did we not already prove from Luke chapter 13, verse 28, that Yahshua straightforwardly told the Pharisees that their own proverbial hell will be them outside the kingdom, in plain view of the kingdom, in plain view of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the patriarchs and all the prophets? Well, here Yahshua is saying in St. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, tying right into the parable of the faithful servant. And they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now does it make sense as to why Yahshua will come and serve you? Remember that Yahshua was not above washing the feet of his disciples. Because that, my friends, is the epitome, the epitome, and the purest definition of love. Love is not self-serving. Love is sacrificing for others. Thus, Yahshua does the same exact thing. But what's very important here is what we're building up to. Here in uh, Matthew chapter 8, he says, hold on, it looks like there's some, yeah, right. Hey, yeah. Many shall come and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom. Pay close attention, verse 12, St. Matthew chapter 8. But the children of the kingdom, the children of the kingdom, not the children of the bastard and the whore, the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And the servant was healed in the safe, the selfsame hour. Now I've covered this because this is the centurion. And the centurion comes to Yahshua. The centurion, for all intents and purposes, was not an Israelite, like a majority of the Pharisees espoused, and like you and I espouse now, in 2016. This took place in Capernaum. And this centurion comes and says, I have a sick servant at home. And Yahshua answers, what does he say? He says, I've never seen such faith, not even amongst the Israelites. Do you understand why? This is his opening it up to the Gentiles. Opening it up to the Gentiles so much so that we must not overlook St. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. The kingdom and the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. Why do you think that is? Could it be that oftentimes Gentiles 
have more faith than even the Israelites? Well, that's surely the case. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Once again, there's the terminology. Outer darkness, a form of hell. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go, and as thou hast believed, be it done unto thee. Thus, the centurion's portion of faith directly influenced his portion of forgiveness and healing. Are there any questions? Okay, good. Okay, dear kinsfolk, if there are no more questions, I do want to thank you guys for joining me this particular evening. If you've not already, please swing by covenantpeoplesministry.org, accessible on the World Wide Web, and uh, sign up for our forums there. We have a really good bit of fellowship going there. We have a really great moderator who's keeping things nice and clean, and we definitely appreciate his work. Kudos to him. I also would invite you, if you haven't already, please feel free to contact this ministry by email at cpm at covenantpeoplesministry.org, or you can always write to me as by snail mail, whatever they're calling that that day. It seems letter writing has become a lost art, but it's been about three and a half weeks I haven't received anything at my post office box, dear kinsfolk. And I have said time and time again, the only way this ministry will continue is if there's continual growth. We're not seeing much growth as of lately. So I really hope that this parable of the faithful servant has edified you and at least caught over some of the ideas and what we should be doing in this latter era. Indeed, a majority of the world has most likely fallen asleep. They have most assuredly fallen asleep to their identity and their pedigree. And as a result, the enemy knows that. If they can get you to believe that the Bible is just a book about the history of the Jews, then nine times out of ten, you will cast it aside and say, that has no pertinence to me. It does not pertain to my walk, nor does it pertain to my life. But what you must understand, as we go further and further into apostasy, this Bible is less about them then than it is about us now. Therefore, we have to always take everything that Yeshua taught, because man lives on every word of God, right? And we must take it literally. We must break it down. This is what we live according to. We live in an era of darkness and apostasy. And unfortunately, I believe that's going to continue to get worse. Therefore, what we covered last Sunday in the parable of the virgins, and what we covered this Wednesday evening in this parable of the faithful servant, all centered around the idea that we must, like a Boy Scout, dutifully be prepared. If we are prepared and watching, we will not be sidetracked into the ways of the world. And I'm telling you, dear kinsfolk, we're living in an era where there are so many distractions coming down the pike. Everything from the flat earth theory to, oh my goodness, uh, what was this? The New Jerusalem Mothership. And all of these things are designed to keep you out of the kingdom by the Pharisees. That's what I believe, and Yeshua taught it. They know that they are not entering in. Therefore, they will do everything to keep people out of the kingdom. Never neglect that. And so, until next time, I hope to hear from you, dear kinsfolk. This is Pastor Visser from the Covenant People's Ministry, located in beautiful Brooks, Georgia, wishing you and your entire family a great week and great studies. War for Christ. Amen.